good to be together. Happy 10 a.m. I'm glad that we're extending this through August. It's fun to be together. Um, I might start with just a degree of gratitude. I'm happy to uh, have shared this month. I think I've just had a lot of joy preparing and sharing. Um, So thank you for uh, joining me along that kind of arc of things this last month. Uh, It's been, yeah, I've been touched by a number of things. And then, but I'm particularly excited for today. I just, I didn't think I would be. When we first kind of outlined this series and we started with spring, in the back of my mind, I thought, do you crash and burn at the end in winter then? Like, that sounds like a survival landing. Like, do your best. No one wants to be crashed. Uh, And then this week, I just got more and more excited about the opportunity that winter offers us. Um, I might just give like a broad stroke for those of us who are catching up on where we are today. We've been looking at the different seasons of the spiritual life with God, these seasons being spring, summer, autumn, and today winter, and looking at what do each of these unique seasons provide or offer as a way for me to be in conversation and relationship with God. Sometimes we can tend to think that the Christian life is supposed to look like something, generally up and to the right, (laughs) uh, is how I can tend to think of the Christian life. And so if I'm experiencing anything apart from that, I get super suspicious. And so this is in light of asking a question of, instead of uh, maybe judging our own life in Christ, maybe what we might be able to do is examine our experiences in the normal, ordinary, and every day, and allow that material to be the curriculum for our with God life. Um, to give ourselves just the freedom to be precisely where we are uh, in those different seasons. Spring is this beautiful season that we love to talk about, love to remember, love to visit, love to linger in. It's this season when things are beginning to sprout, right? Our responsibility is just to receive as much rainfall as possible and allow that to produce in us life. There's new possibilities emerging in spring. We love spring. Summer's this period of time where the abundance of rainfall is exchanged for an abundance of sunshine. And this sunshine, that was so well done. Whatever just happened, Shane, I really appreciate that. And this abundance of sunshine is how we meditate on Christ, meditate on God throughout the day. We use this sunflower illustration of what does it look like to rise with the sun, face the sun all day, and set together and consider the fruitfulness or the works or what's produced to be an output of that gazing relationship together. In autumn, we talked about what it looks like when things in our life just begin to decay. And the inherent beauty that's revealed in those autumn seasons um, within our own story and tension or life with God. And we kind of have this, at least I have this image of like the Northeast Falls, where you just kind of want to take it all in and breathe and delight in the exchange of color. And then winter comes, and winter's 
categorically different. In the winter seasons of our spiritual life with God, things begin to reveal themselves that make us perhaps a little nervous. They might make us embarrassed, but we're going to talk about some of those things. Aren't you so glad you're here? Let's talk about the embarrassments. I'll go first. Uh, And so this winter season does begin to reveal something about us that we may not have seen before. That's always been there. It's been there in spring and summer and fall, periods of life with God, but we may never have seen it like this before. You know, if we consider ourselves the tree in this image, in fall, we're kind of like bursting at the peak of our potentials. That's how it can feel, perhaps. You know, leaves are changing beautiful colors. People are delighting in, you know, the temperature is kind of declining. Things are good again. And in winter, all the leaves of our life are lost. You know, the leaves that may have disguised the trunk, ourselves, disguise some of the knots that we have, some of the blemishes that we experience in the spiritual journey. Madame Guyon is this French author, Christian author, who puts it this way in terms of wintering that I'd love to share with you. It's a little long. It's like three hours long. Uh, So if it's helpful, you're welcome to read along with me. If it's helpful, you're happy to close your eyes and absorb it. But this is what Madame Guyon says about these periods in our life. She says, as cold comes on the wings of a winter storm, the trees gradually begin to lose their leaves. The green is changed into funeral brown. Soon the leaves fall away and die. Behold the tree's appearance now. It looks stripped and desolate. Behold the loss of summer's beautiful garment. What happens as you look upon that poor tree? Under all the beautiful leaves, there have been all sorts of irregularities and defects. Defects that had been invisible because of the beautiful leaves. Now those defects are startlingly revealed. Is this feeling common for any of us? Startlingly revealed. The tree is no longer beautiful in its surface appearance, but has the tree actually changed? No, not at all. Everything is exactly the way it was before. Everything is as it always has been. It is just that the leaves are no longer there to hide what is real. She goes on. The beauty of the outward life of the leaves had only hidden what had always been present. The same is true of you and I. The same is true of all believers. We can each look so beautiful until they disappear until life disappears. Then, no matter who, the Christian is revealed as full of defects, as the Lord works on you to produce purification. You will appear stripped of all your virtue. But in the tree, there is life inside. And as the tree, you are not actually becoming worse. You are simply seeing yourself for what you really are. Know that somewhere deep within the tree of winter, there is still the life that produced last spring's beautiful leaves. That's pretty good, right? It gives us a beautiful image of I experienced that thing in my life with God, where 
the virtues, the, the animations of autumn that kind of disguise the blemishes within are revealed. And I'm left there, vulnerable, right? I just have this image of this tree, like its arms are stretched out. And it's just naked and afraid is how we can tend to feel. This is really terrifying. We can feel really embarrassed. I wish this wasn't part of the story. I wish I could edit this thing out. That's true. Anyone want to edit something out of their story or out of their normal every day? If I could, I would have ages ago. <laughs> and I know I've tried. And I know I've tried. So I'm faced with these blemishes that are so clearly obvious in this moment. And it's what we do from there that the winter season offers us. We can be embarrassed. We can feel little, we can feel this shame. Sometimes we've ex- we learn this shame. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be proud of any of those things. Well, I'll, I'll share this with you. Uh, a f- few weeks ago, my little boy and I decided to do some baking. We do baking in our home, but I'd never made brownies before. Uh, so we made some brownies together. And uh, we set them out and left them there to like cool down for the n- next day. And my wife saw them and she said, oh, great, we made some brownies. And the next morning, my little boy is like, brownies are for breakfast, I'm pretty sure. So that's not what we did. <laughs> so I redirected him and I made him this wholesome thing. And I went into the kitchen and like, <laughs> you know, enjoyed a brownie for breakfast. And meanwhile, he's in there doing his thing and I'm eating this brownie, totally guilt-free. <laughs> and around noon o'clock, my little guy gets his part of the brownie, and I get another serving, of course. Well, the serving turned into, like, less plateware and more silverware. Like, I just started eating it with a fork. Like, and then Monica came home, okay? And Monica's looking for this brownie, but I had eaten it all, okay? And I told her, Yeah, actually, that's all gone. James and I ain't that. Like, James had anything to do with this. Uh, He's my scapegoat. Uh, And she looks at me like, okay. But I'm super embarrassed by this. I just just ate a sheet pan of brownies. And the next day, this is true, and the next day I'm thinking about it. And I think, I'm so indulgent. I'm so indulgent. And then I sense the Lord say, you know, it's one of my favorite things about you. You know? You indulge in, I mean, every 40 years, I'll indulge in a sheet pan of brownies, I suppose. Maybe that's the cadence I'm on. But I tend to indulge in him as well. And we can take these things and indulge and look at it so critically 
And I can judge it and say, I need to get that thing out of my life. I need to order that thing in my life. I need to make sure that God sanctifies and redeems this thing in my life. And meanwhile, he's saying it's working for us. But it's working for us together as we deepen our life together. See, winner, winners can tend to reveal something about us that we want to jump on and judge. Or we want to run from and hide. Or we want to fix. Any of these sound responsive to you? These are like my techniques. Okay? I see something that's unbecoming. When all the leaves have fallen and I'm left there bare. And I want to fix it. I want to do something about it. Because in my mind, I should look different. I should be further along than this again, again, again. But I return to it, and it's with us, and it stays with us, and it's intended to teach us something and guide us and offer something. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's this opportunity where we get to acknowledge it, this thing that's going on in our life, that to all outside evidence kind of looks critical, right? It's unbecoming. Okay? It's in conflict with all the virtues, perhaps. And we think that thing surely doesn't belong in the Christian life. And, this, and what we tend to do is we begin, at least I have done this, I begin to think that the spiritual journey with God <laughs> is like a yellow brick road that leads to the Emerald City. And I assume that the yellow brick road doesn't have people eating brownies on it and indulging on it. I assume they're, war they're more tempered than that. And what I'm doing is I'm beginning to split the activity in my life from activity I share with God and activity that I disguise in a, or, or engage alone. When God is actually looking at us and saying, no, it's that very thing that I desire to engage with you about. It's this sense that God loves us, yeah, holy, without pause or reservation. <laughs> and why can't I love myself the way he sees me? If he's loving me the way he sees all these things, can I learn to love me, to just see what he sees? Because when he sees me, he sees something beautiful. And the, the challenge of these seasons is we can get so ingrained in the, the beauty of what can be produced that we begin to think, oh, yeah, I am kind of lovable based on all this stuff that I can do or based on these different animations in my life. Like, oh, yeah, I'm actually starting to love me. So I can imagine how God could also love me. And then winter comes. And God invites us to look at, what does it look like to love you the way I love you? Again. Without the canopy of colors 
we use to disguise our own knots and blemishes. And that's what the winter season opportunity evokes, is we're going to come in contact with something about ourselves that we don't love and we don't like and we choose to edit, withdraw, fix, or fight against. That's inevitable. That's what winter does. It reveals the weaknesses. But not for the sake of judging, but not for the sake of fixing, but for the sake of believing that this thing that's going on in my life must be helping my life with Christ. It must be in service to me. Think about patience for a sec. Sometimes we can think of like, oh yeah, the, like the Christian life, to, like the formational life toward Christ-likeness is certainly paved in patience. So I should just be a patient person. And since we're all patient people, that works, right? Because we're not. <laughs> and we bump into impatience all the time. And when I bump into impatience, I can think to myself, this is a violation of our withness. Or I might be able to consider for a moment, maybe God's doing something through this that I might not recognize or understand. It's this, it's this verse that uh, Proverbs talks about that's, that we kind of use, I don't know, can feel really trite sometimes when we're going through something. And it, it reads, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Right? I'm like, you just trust more. Come on. And you would if you could, and you can't. So that's where, that's where we're faced. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. And we can assume that what he's talking about is, okay, if I acknowledge this thing in my life and I go and I say, okay, Lord, I surrender it to you, which is a good practice, that somehow we'll return to the yellow brick road. When this passage is saying, no, the straight path is that you're not alone in it. The straight path isn't this thing that you need to go find again, get back to. The straight path is recognizing I'm not doing this walk alone. I'm not trying to negotiate the emerald kingdom on my own. I got to figure this out on my own. And we can tend to, we can tend to think this is all up to me. This is my full responsibility. Eugene translates this passage this way. I just think the language is pretty interesting. He says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Like, he's the track. He's the path. And we can assume, hey, no, the path is when I'm most beautiful. And I have a concept of what beauty is. And certainly it's that. It's how I tend to think of it. And so we're faced with something that's unbecoming, and I think, I got to get beautiful again. I got to figure that out. I got to go get beautiful. And the reality in the room, 
is that beauty is possible. Your beauty is possible, but it's only possible through the practice of letting go, namely your idea of what beauty is. And encountering once again, hey, I don't, there's this thing about me. Hey, Lord, will you help me see me the way you do? Holy, acceptable, chosen, beloved, an heir, a prince, a saint, is how Scripture talks about it. Can, I, can you help me see me this way? Now, there's a couple practical things we can maybe, like, negotiate and do for those of us who like practical things. Um... Because those things aren't like necessarily hard to come by, these moments of tension <laughs> in our uh, formational life. They just pepper themselves throughout your day. And we can, we can try a couple things because we're all just learning how this is done. And one thing we can do is we can look at this thing, acknowledge it, accept it without judgment, Neutrally, you know, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? It's not helpful here. This is what it is. Lord, would you help reveal, this is possibly one, Lord, would you help reveal steps that I can take to best engage this thing if there's some things I can do? And, and if it feels like the thorn <laughs> that returns to you and returns to you and you've exhausted all your best solutions, there might be a no practice. And the practice might look like, Lord, would you help broaden my understanding of your love for me to also include this thing? That I can't seem to edit. in spite of all my efforts. Lord, would you help broaden my understanding of your love for me to include this thing I don't love about myself. And what that does is it gives him permission. It consents to the activity he's already up to of purifying, as we talked about of what does it look like to restore that thing once more? Knowing I'm not, I'm not the variable in this equation that can change that thing. And neither does this thing need changed anymore, right? Now there's a freedom in that thing, perhaps even a playfulness. I'm indulgent, oh, I am indulgent, yeah. That's true. And I tend to indulge in relationship with him too. Lord, would you help broaden my understanding of this thing in my life that I don't love <laughs> to see your love for me within it? I don't need to get away from this thing. What does it look like to accept this thing? And then we tend to think about Paul in this sense of three times. This is, this is when he's talking about the thorns in his flesh. Like this thing just isn't going away. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. You know? I kind of wonder, three's, 
I've done more than three. Like, if three's the... I've done this more than three times. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. We've heard things like, like right? We've, we tell people, that we, right? We can host a small Bible study and remind everyone, yeah, we boast in our weaknesses. And then we encounter our own and we want to fix them. And Lord, would you broaden my understanding of your love for me to include this, that I might boast in it in a way for Christ's sake and see where that might result. Come, mm, come spring in the future when something new begins to grow again. Might it be a different relationship with this thing that I've long felt like has been a limitation, perhaps, in my life? And that is the work of the Spirit, right? And our responsibility is to witness it when we see it and yield to His activity. Lord, I'll take that. I'll take it again and again, as often as you want to... Offer it to me, trusting that this is precisely the right curriculum that's strengthening our relationship together, that's deepening our relationship together. Would you just help me treat it like you desire to treat it? And we can continue to plead. Lord, as Christ had, Lord, take this away. But not my will, eh? but yours be done. And help me see this curriculum as curriculum that's, that's producing or refining something that I may bump into further down the road, or not, but we might see fruit of one day. We might see fruit of one day. I think what I'd love to do as we close is maybe reread that, that Guillaume quote and to give ourselves a minute to linger in those words. And then I'll pray for us. Um, but if it's helpful for you, you're welcome to you know, rest your hands in your lap or set your feet on the ground to receive kind of what is she communicating here. And Lord, and this might be an interesting practice, and Lord, might you inspire something here you'd like me to talk with you further about? As cold comes on the wings of a winter storm, the trees gradually begin to lose their leaves. The green is changed into funeral brown. Soon the leaves fall away and die. Behold the tree's appearance now. It looks stripped and desolate. Behold the loss of summer's beautiful garment. What happens as you look upon the poor tree? Under all the beautiful leaves, there had been all sorts of irregularities and defects. The defects had been invisible because of the beautiful leaves. Now those defects are startlingly revealed. The tree is no longer beautiful in its surface appearance. But has the tree actually changed? No, not at all. Everything is exactly the way it is before. Everything is as it has always been. 
It is just that the leaves are no longer there to hide what is real. The beauty of the outward life of the leaves had only hidden what had always been present. The same is true of you. The same is true of all believers. We can, we can each look so beautiful until life disappears. Then, no matter who, the Christian is revealed as full of defects. As the Lord works on you to produce purification, you will appear stripped of all your virtues. That's all the animations that make us kind of self-justify God's love for us. But in the tree, there is life inside. And as the tree, you are not actually becoming worse. You are simply seeing yourself for who you really are. Knowing that somewhere deep within the tree of winter, there is still the life that produces last spring's beautiful leaves. Amen? Amen. That's a good thing. This is a good thing. Will you pray with me? Holy Trinity, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you are up to in and around each of us and our story. Thank you for engaging us in all different ways. Lord, I pray that in any of the activity that you are up to, uh, that I might witness those blemishes that winter may reveal, and that I might yield to your care of those things. We love you and we trust you, and it's in your holy and precious, precious name we pray. Amen? Amen.